Okay, this is a very special episode of the Ortho Show podcast. We're fe- featuring Vlad Kozanchik, who is an orthopedic surgeon uh, who is from Cherkasy Regional Hospital in Cherkasy, Ukraine. Uh, we actually interviewed uh, Vlad uh, in between surgeries at the hospital, probably one of the most challenging interviews we've ever had at the Ortho Show as far as timing is concerned. But what an amazing uh, uh, human being and his ability right now to still smile and have great morale uh, while operating 11, 12 hours a day on soldiers that are coming from the front lines, uh, despite cruise missiles and drones and uh, a sort of civilian disruption that's happening secondary to uh, the Russian attacks over, over Ukraine. It's a very moving story. It's one that really is you know, quite impressive that this, this young man uh, uh, continues to fight the fight for the Ukrainians. He completely believes that the Ukrainians are going to win the war. And as he says in his own words, He's doing this, and the Ukrainians are doing this for the rest of the world. It is an absolute must-listen episode. Please sit back and enjoy. Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro. This episode is brought to you by National Medical Billing Services. As the largest and most experienced outsourced provider of end-to-end revenue cycle management services, National Medical is an award-winning company that serves hundreds of ambulatory surgery centers, surgical practices, and anesthesia groups nationwide. National Medical Surgical Revenue Cycle Specialists, deep understanding of orthopedic procedures and numerous specialties help alleviate staffing concerns often faced by surgical organizations in today's marketplace. National Medical's managed care contracting team negotiates new and renegotiates outdated payer rates to maximize your reimbursement, while its cutting-edge workflow technology, proprietary processes, and analytics drive superior financial results for surgical organizations. Go to nationalmedicalascbilling.com to access National Medical's orthopedic case study and find out how a strategic partnership with National Medical can triple your annual revenue and increase your patient satisfaction in the process. For more information on how National Medical optimizes coding, billing, and reimbursement practices, visit nationalascbilling.com or call National Medical at 866-319-3271. That number again is 866-319-3271. Go to nationalascbilling.com today to request a complimentary revenue cycle assessment. From Medical Media, this is The Author Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another unique episode of the Ortho Show podcast. We've done a lot of amazing episodes, but I'm very excited today. We have Dr. Vladislav Kozanchik, who was an orthopedic surgeon from the Ukraine, literally recording outside of his operating room from the Ukraine. What a privilege and an honor it is to have you on, Vlad. Thank you so much. Thank you also. It's an honor for me, as I have already told you. No, that, that's absolutely wonderful. So so I, you know, without a doubt, this is probably the most challenging interview that we've had to do to date, uh, considering the rolling blackouts and everything else that's happening. So it took a lot of coordination to get you here. So we want to make sure we we get some value for our listeners and for you to be able to share your story. So most importantly, I think before we get started, I know that you have a wife and a young son who's seven years old. What are their names? Can I ask? Uh, my wife's name is Diana. 
and uh, my son name is uh, Kirill, Cyril, no? Kiriakos. It's a Greek name. I love it. Fantastic. Our Greek friends. Yasu. Fantastic. So so are they safe? How is your family at this moment? Uh, my family is safe now. My son, even he goes to school. Um, but every day we have an uh, air missile alerts, airstrike alerts, and they have to go to the basement in the school. No, they have to interrupt their lessons and go down to the basement and sit there. And just wait for a missile alert strike uh, to, to finish to end. But you know, sometimes it lasts for five minutes, and sometimes it lasts for two or three hours. And they have to sit in the basement all this time. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine the 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 fear associated with that as a young child trying to just go to school and learn. Just to give everyone a background, you are Ukrainian born, you're Ukrainian trained, you're a general orthopedic surgeon that has a passion for hip and knee arthroplasty as well as shoulder arthroplasty. You do some consulting work for Evolutus in, in France as well. Um, so just so, so our listeners know know who you are, you know, it's interesting because, you know, the Ukrainians are doing very well on the front lines of the war as far as being able to push the Russians back from your country. But yet the, the Russians have opened up this new front, which I, I guess we can call an energy or an infrastructure front, where yeah. they're bombing electricity and water supply and, and really doing civilian disruption. So just, just describe for us, what is your daily life like right now when you're, when you're trying to work as far as for home? And let's start for home. Like, you know, are, are restaurants open? Can you go out? Can you go to the market to be able to get food? Do you have water? What, what's the what's daily life like right now? Uh, at home, we have a lot of blackouts, but we have some kind of a schedule when we know where there will be no electricity. Okay, so uh, and we schedule our life according to this to the schedule of electricity. Okay, if there is no electricity, we light up candles, we cook dinner, uh, and we have a dinner with candles, and that's all you know, with candle lights. So, but um, you know, the most scary thing that we are getting used to all of that. Okay, so my son is getting used to these alerts. He's getting used to go to the basement. We are getting used to the absence of electricity, of electric power, and we are getting used to everything. How about we, heat? We have, go, please go ahead. The funny thing, when you go outside, uh, the big malls, the big shopping malls, they do not work when, when there is no electricity. They don't work. But little, uh, little shops, little food shops, they work with the help of generators, you know? And it's very funny because you go across the street and generators are walking everywhere. You know, it's like very loud on the street because of, of, of these dozens of generators. The generator is the most important commodity in Ukraine right now. If you have a, if you have a generator, you can still do business. You could be open, yeah. right? Generators and fuel. <laughs> you know, and and I, was, I was hearing like even the restaurants can stay open and when the, when the power's not on, They'll serve colder foods instead of, you know, heating up food as well. But there still seems to be, you know, there, there's movement. You're you're still able to get about and move around, but yet always concerned about when the next barrage may happen. Yeah, yes. But, we, you know, we are not scared of that. We are not scared anymore. We, we are really ready for everything. Uh, uh, Russia won't win, believe me. So uh, you you have just to come here and to see what what what, what people say on the street, what people say at home. They say oh, it doesn't matter what will it cost us. No electricity, no power, nothing. But we won't surrender. We we will win. Okay. So 
So the morale seems high even here as I watch you. You still smile as you express your pride of your people and and the morale to be able to to push back against the Russians. Yes, exactly. We are proud of our soldiers. Uh, we have a lot of soldiers, of wounded soldiers, in coming in our hospital. Approximately 100 each week. Uh, they are very injured sometimes with amputations. A lot of them have large skin and soft tissue defects. And that we uh, have to maintain, but so that's one of the things I was going to ask. I mean, how I see lights on at the hospital, um, and obviously, you know, you're 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 still operating and taking care of patients. Has the hospital been damaged with any of these bombings, or have you been fortunate to not have that happen yet? No, we were fortunate not to have that, but the closest one uh, was around 500 meters away from here. So Russians hit the bridge in Cherkasy, the bridge across the Dnipro River, which was very important route uh, for different things to come from the western side to the eastern side of Ukraine. Uh, and uh, they hit that bridge. Uh, and it was, as I have told you before, it was like 500 meters away from here. So we had some windows broken, some glass broken here. Something fell from the ceiling, but generally the building is, is fine and we are not like the hospital in Kharkiv, in Izum. You know that uh, a friend of mine, he was a soldier, he's a soldier and he's got wounded and he was in the hospital in Kharkiv. And Kharkiv is very close to the front line, is the Eastern part of Ukraine. Uh, and they had two or three missile strikes just in the hospital yard. And uh, even uh, two, Medical practitioners were dead because of that. They died. Mm. They were killed. Mm. How, I mean, how are you doing for for the medical supplies? I mean, we had mentioned before we came on air, you, you're using external fixators. You're having, you know, these war-torn injuries that are occurring, soft tissue, amputations and things. Where are you getting your implants from? Do you have supply? How is that working? Uh, you know, uh, when everything started, it was very hard. We had just nothing. Uh, we had just like, you know, uh, um, better die and some selling. I, I mean, we, we had some supplies, but not in, in such quantity, no, not, 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 not in, in a big amount. And we needed just a large uh, amount of supplies. And then the donations started to come uh, first from Europe, then from the United States. And so uh, now I have to tell you that now we have quite enough of everything. We have, yes. we still have some gaps, but I can tell you that now, the largest gap is time and medical personnel as well, you know, because uh, a lot of people fled Ukraine, they left to Europe, uh, including nurses, uh, operating nurses. Um, and so we now have a lot of problems with that, you know, we don't have enough medical stuff. Yeah, so, but it, um, it's wonderful to hear that you've received the donations from Europe and the United States and from around yeah. the world so that you can care for your, your injured, you know, soldiers. And and so how are they coming to you? They come by train? Is there is there helicopter flights for the severely injured? No, 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 no. Our airspace is completely closed. So they mostly come to Poland by uh, airplane and then they come just with by truck, you know, truck cargo. They come to Ukraine. And we had a, just a, a beautiful cooperation with our Lithuanian colleagues. Um, uh, we had, a, <clears throat> how to say, we had a volunteers, doctor, volunteer doctors from, from Lithuania in the very beginning. There were almost 10 doctors and 14 nurses. They came to help us and they helped us a lot. 
And when they got back home to Lithuania, uh, they started to collect money for us. Okay? And they collected enough money to buy us. Uh, um, that time we had a big problem with this back devices, you know, negative uh, wound pressure devices, negative wound pressure therapy devices, back devices, yes, and yes. Like back dreadings as well. So uh, we received some from the United States, um, but, you know, they, uh, they need some special dressings, you know, just like KCI and Smith and Nephews, they, they need special filters, special dressings, and we had a very big problem with that. But the 20 colleagues collected enough money and they bought us 100 back devices and almost 10,000 uh, back uh, wound dressings for them. And so now we are completely uh, we are completely fine with that. So I don't. I'm an, I'm not just an orthopedic surgeon. I'm a medical director of this hospital, and and I have much less headache. So uh, uh, a lot of back devices, and now now I I have less headache where to take those back devices and this back wound dressings for for, for my uh, colleagues from my orthopedic surgeons that deal with the soldiers. Well, one thing's for sure. We have a lot of listeners from around the world, and a lot of them are from industry. So I know that the Smith & Nephew people are listening when this comes <laughs> out. So we'll make sure that Heather will have all of your contact information so that for our listeners from around the world that want to help donate, whether it's even their time or their energy or their money or or their implants or equipment, I'm sure there will be people that will, will want to take part in that. So that's wonderful to keep you going. What about What about the Ukrainian people? I mean, people still get hip fractures and they fall down in the elderly and are you still caring for them as they come through? Yes, exactly. Uh, we have the selective surgery. We have, uh, even sometimes we do for um, arthroplasties. We have a system that is called uh, national health service, like a national health service in Great Britain. Okay, So hospital still has to earn money to pay the salaries for, for nurses, for doctors, for everyone. And, uh, uh so we have to take this elective surgery. So we do that. So you're do so still doing elective surgeries for patients for, for hip and knee replacements or whatever they may yeah. need. And, and uh-huh. you know, the reason we got connected, it was I was watching one of your LinkedIn posts and you had mentioned, yeah. you know, the generator kicked out and yet you were you were still going. And is the generator keeping up? Are you able to do the work most of the time for what you need? Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. So when our hospital... Uh, goes to blackout immediately generators turn on and our operating room uh, still continues to work with no problem okay so president Zelensky is here in the united states i'm sure you're aware of that he's going to be uh yeah uh, yes, not uh, right at the moment he's there yeah. i think right now he's here he hasn't called yeah. me yet to ask to be on the ortho show but we'll see maybe he'll want to be after <laughs> he knows that you're on vlad but but uh hopefully he'll be procuring a lot of patriot missiles and other things that will knock some of these drones and these cruise missiles out of the sky so that you guys can live a more comfortable, relaxed life. But, uh, you know, I, I, I know that the world is behind you and, and we're certainly doing all that we can to provide you what's necessary to, you know, regain your country and be able to live in a safe environment for sure. Uh, I have to tell you that we uh, completely, we feel this support, believe me, because I have to tell you that without this this support, we would... We would do nothing. Not uh, our soldiers. No, no, we we would do nothing without the support, without donations. Uh, so, we well, thank you very you know, much. No, it's it's hard to believe in the 21st century that you know that a country be, could be so imperialistic to think they could take another country. The rest of the world is certainly there, you know, backing you for sure. Now, look, I want to ask you a particular question because it's interesting. I think that. 
you know, the, the, the war environment provides just such a, a different environment for what you would typically do as an orthopedic surgeon. And, and how has the, the, this war-torn injury rate and surgeries that you've seen, how has it made you a better orthopedic surgeon? But mostly, I think that we became better because we have just a lot, an enormous amount of cases, of different cases. You know, we have never seen such fractures, the shrapnel fracture. This is not even the gunshot fracture. This is the shrapnel when, when, when you have just nothing, you know, just nothing out of elbow joint, out of knee joint. So combined distal uh, distal humerus and proximal ulna fractures, combined distal femur and proximal tibia fractures with a lot of shrapnel, uh, with a lot of um, bone detached. So we have to remove this. Then we place spacers and so on and so on. And then we have to make the bone, um, uh, how to say, <clears throat> to... to, <laughs> uh, to Osteoplasty, okay. So we have we have to to pull the bone from anywhere. So this change, uh, this enormous amount of cases, it leads us to better understanding not only anatomy, okay, but also the principles of orthopedic surgery as well. But we still have a, a big problems with the with the infection, with infection. This is our main problem, I think, because. The soldier that comes to us, we are not the first line hospital, okay? We are not front line hospital. We receive the soldiers for a definite care. Okay? And so first, they, when the soldier is getting wounded, first he goes to some little hospital near the very front line. Okay? And he's getting, it's, it's very, I'm very sorry to say that, but he's getting the infection from that hospital in his wound. Then he's going, uh, he's been transferred to some, uh, bigger hospital and he's getting this wound infection there as well and we receive him with a mixed infection uh, which is not responding to any time any kind of antibiotic therapy okay? so this is a big, very big problem for us i can't even imagine i mean how many people are on the ward how many soldiers do you have in the hospital with these types of injuries there were rehabilitation associated with that, the, the chronic infections and wound yeah. care that's required. Is it must be overwhelming? Yes, today we had a, for today we had a 267. 267 patients on the ward as of right now. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean injured soldiers. Yes. In general, we have 800 patients in the hospital. So amazing. Yeah, and we have another 100 in coming this evening. And how big is your team? How many people are in your orthopedic team to be able to care for all these patients, make rounds? And I mean, my, you must never be home. So how many, how many members on your team? 12. 12 members of the team. That's good. So do you sleep in the hospital most nights now because of the workload? Or do you, do you, do you, are you able to get home sometimes and see your family? Yes, yeah. yeah, sometimes. Yes, yeah. sometimes we have uh, to stay at the hospital. And because uh, because of the curfew, we have a hard curfew, okay? So we are not allowed to be on the street from uh, 11 p.m. till 5 a.m. We are not allowed to be on the street. We can be captured by police, okay? So if you, <laughs> if you, if you cannot go home before uh, 11 p.m., then you stay at hospital. You can't even use the line, trust me, I'm a doctor. They won't let you go, huh? You still have to be, <laughs> you can still be rounded up. Oh, my goodness gracious. Helpful because... But I have to tell you another thing, also to be selfish. I want to uh, tell um, uh, to express a large, very large gratitude 
to some of the uh, to some doctors from the United States. I know they will also watch this ortho show as well. This episode. Uh, this is uh, Professor Kenji Inaba from LA, uh, from Los Angeles, um, and uh, Professor Gregory Bailman from the University of Minnesota. They are just uh, very confused. They they were here. They they saw all with their own eyes. Okay, they helped us a lot. They came here with the Global Care Force. This is a humanitarian organization. Uh, and so um, uh, we already know them and they are helping us a lot at the moment as well. So well, that's, uh, that's, that's wonderful. We love our ortho show shout outs. So we're going to make sure that they're going to know about this episode for sure. As we're wrapping up here, Vlad, I'd love for you to be able to give a message to all of our listeners from around the world about how you feel right now about what's happening in Ukraine and, and just your general sense of how things are going. Uh, you know, I don't want to say such, uh, how to say, uh, something very, very, very high, but uh, I have to tell you that uh, now every, every Ukrainian feels that we, we are fighting now for the whole world, okay? Because it's not just the matter of the conflict of Russia and Ukraine or the Russia and, as the Russians say, Russia and Western world. So the Russians say, we don't have conflict with Ukraine. We have the conflict with, uh, with Western world, with the United States, with Europe, with the European Union, whatever. So it's not just the matter of this conflict. There are another conflicts they may, that may arise in the world, like China, Taiwan, like Kosovo and Serbia. And I'm sure that the leaders of such imperialistic countries, they are now watching closely to the situation and the situation in Ukraine. So if we will win, if Russia will fail, uh, and I know that it will be for sure, then I think that uh, the whole world can avoid more conflicts, okay? So I think that the leaders, those emperors, will look at the situation and will understand that uh, if the whole world, uh, the whole world helps uh, any country, then this country will will defeat his enemy okay so everything will be fine so so you are fighting for the rest of the world and the rest of the world has your back you know we yes. we would do all we can to help support you and uh you know i can't i can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to be able to share your story and what's happening on the ground uh, in the ukraine and, you know i love i love your smile i love your your attitude your your morale i look a little bit tired i'm sorry because i'm from from the 8 a.m., I'm already in the OR, and uh, it's almost 11 hours already in the OR. Uh, and I'm sorry because of not my not perfect English, but I'm trying my best. Well, your English has been fantastic, and we can't thank you enough again. And, you know, all the love and support that we can provide for you, we're going to share your story across our network. We'll see what we can do about getting you more implants and donations. Perhaps some surgeons may even want to be able to come in person. But uh, once again, you know, Vlad, keep doing God's work. We really appreciate your time and energy here as well. And we really hope, you know, speedy, speedy end to this war and you can get back to your, your, your regular life in a way you can. Thank you so much. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for this opportunity. But I would like to tell one more thing. If anyone wants to come to Ukraine, please come <laughs> after April, April or May, because it can be quite cold in here without electricity, without anything. So don't come right now. <laughs> but, 
Pedro Campos. We, we like it cold in my operating room. So, so my OR team might be able to come down. We'll see. But no, again, again, Vlad, thank you so much. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show with our friend Vlad from Ukraine. Till next thank time. Thank you so much.